Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried more a great deal, saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called, and they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus, and Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. And so... We ask that you pray for us for just a few minutes. So here's the scripture telling the story of blind Bartimaeus. And, uh, I guess we'll just start with where they were. And you pray, surely the Lord will come by. I need him desperately. But uh, Notice they came to Jericho. And it said, as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And we see this blind man, but if we look back over in the book of Joshua about this city called Jericho, you might say there was a whole city there at one time that was blind. You've heard of the story of Jericho and how that God's people and Joshua marched around it one time a day for seven days. And in the story of Jericho, people resisted. They threw things off the wall at them. No doubt they said ugly things toward the children of Israel and things like that. Would you say that that's closely related to the day that we live in? Would you say that there are people in this world that are blind to the purpose of the church? Would you say that there are people in this world that just can't see the good things that are waiting on them at the altar to pass the Lord? People that are blind. They have no idea. Those people in Jericho had no idea what would happen to them if they would just follow the children of Israel. There was one lady, we might read about her, she was a harlot. What's a harlot got to do with being able to see, preacher? Whenever the spies were sent down to spy on Jericho, and I don't know where I'm going with this, you just bear, bear with me for a few minutes. When the spies were sent down to Jericho to spy out the land, a harlot named Rahab hit them upon the thatch on her roof. 
so that the men of the city couldn't find her. And because she helped the men of God, they made her a promise, didn't they? They said, if you'll put this scarlet cord in the window, it's been a long time since I've read it. They said, if you'll put the scarlet, the scarlet thread in the window, when we come back, we'll save you and all that are in your house. But if you go out into the city, you're on your own. Friend, there's something worth holding on to in that scarlet cord. There's, so, there's something worth holding on to in that bloodline that leads down through, through Jericho, through Jerusalem, down to Bethlehem. There's something worth holding on to. And it goes farther than Bethlehem, John. It reached down to a little half bed about a mile and a half down the road around 40-something years ago, and I was washed in it. Fred, I once was blind, but now I see. How could you do that, preacher? Through the blood of Jesus. I'm not talking about these eyes. These eyes have never been very well. Most of you that know me know I wear contacts. And when I don't have contacts in, I wear glasses. And without them, I couldn't see to drive down the road. But they've never been. I've never lost total sight. I've never had that, had that experience. But spiritually, I was blind to what's, what the Lord had to offer me whenever I was a sinner. Spiritually, I was blind to the goodness of the Lord. I was blind to the dangers of hell. <coughs> I was blind to the, to the plan that Satan had for my life to destroy me and wipe me out. I'm not special. I'm not unique. Wendy, would you pray for me for just a minute? I'm not anybody of any consequence. Satan's got a plan for you too. Did you know that? He'd like to destroy you. He'd like to torment you. He'd like to torture you until you just give up and lay down and quit. But if you'll open your eyes, if you'll look around, if you'll see that the Lord still loves you, and if you'll cry out to you, to Him, He'll come to you in your darkest hour and shed light on your situation. What's the Scripture say? The light came into darkness and darkness comprehended it not. What is the light? He is the light. Jesus is. Pray for a little while. So here's a man, blind Bartimaeus. He just had to go on what people told him because he couldn't see. How do you think our blind folks are going to get by? How do you think our blind neighbors, preacher, I don't know anybody that's blind. Sure you do. You raised your hand in testimony of that just a minute ago. Every sinner that you know is blinded by Satan. Every sinner that you know is blinded by sin. How are they going to know where their help lies? How are they going to know who to call out for? How are they going to know what a difference He can make unless they hear it from you? Somebody took the time. Here's Bartimaeus just sitting by the side of the road. He's helpless. But somebody said, Jesus is coming. Amen. 
Somebody said, Jesus is coming. Did you, have you heard what he did? Have you heard about what he did to that man legion? Have you heard about what he did to the woman with the issue of blood? Have you heard about him calling Lazarus' name? And he come out of the grave? And, and that man Bartimaeus realized in that instant, help was on the way. How? Because somebody told him about Jesus. There's someone in your life waiting to hear the good news that you know the man Jesus and help is on the way. I'll get to my text here. If the Lord will help me. They're just waiting, sitting, listening. What was Bartimaeus doing? Was he shopping? No. Was he washing his car? No. Was he walking to work? No. What was he doing in this scripture we read? He was begging. He was desperate. He wanted help. He was dependent upon everybody around him. He could not help himself. He needed help. He was desperate. Crying out, begging, pleading. Every step that he heard somebody take, approaching him, no doubt he got ready, got his cup out or whatever that he had, his basket, whatever that he had, and he began to beg. He needed help. He wanted help. Are you listening, Dutch Bottoms, to the blind folks around you? Are you listening to what they're saying? They're begging for help. They're begging for mercy. They're begging for a way out of the darkness that they're in. And it's up to me and you to let them know about help in the form of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I'm going to get to where I thought I was going. I may not ever get there. I don't know, John. I just got to preach what the Lord gives me. You read about the man that went from, well, here we are going back down to Jericho. <laughs> I believe it was from Jerusalem to Jericho, wasn't it, Marty? And he fell among thieves. And they beat him. And they ripped his clothes, took all that he had, and left him half dead. And then we read about some religious figures that had religion, but they didn't have salvation. Now, where's that at in the Scripture, preacher? Your actions speak louder than your words. Did you know that? We read about a priest that saw that man laying there helpless and in need, and he went to the other side of the road and passed right on by, probably tried not to look his way in the hopes that that man would not cry out or call to him. We read about the Levites. Do you know what the Levites were? They were the folks that took care of the tabernacle. They, they saw to it that it was clean, that it was in order, that it had all that it needed. They were religious folks as well. And they saw him laying there. And no doubt they tried not to look his way and pass by on the other side. 
But then laying there in the awful state that he was in, clothes ripped, all his money and earthly possessions gone, he heard some footsteps coming his way. He heard somebody that was coming to break some help, the good Samaritan Archer. Aren't you glad in your time of need when you were begging for help, mercy, blinded by sin, you heard somebody making footsteps towards you and you knew that help was on the way. The good Samaritan passed by. Heard your cry, didn't he? I remember my cry. I've heard different people testify. They say they don't think they ever uttered a word. He don't need to hear this, no way. He needs to hear this. He don't need to hear your tongue. He needs to hear you cry out from your heart. We got some, and I'm very proud to make this statement, John Dyke. I'm very proud to say what I'm about to say to you tonight. We have some young people on a Wednesday night at Dutch Bottoms. Ain't that wonderful? I'm real proud of that. Let me tell you, you young folks, let me give you some advice on how to cry out. You may be going through something and you just don't know what to do. You'll face those times. Ask these elders. They've been there before. They know. You might be going through something you just don't know what to do. You don't know how to respond, what to say, how to act, that kind of thing. You just don't have a clue. You're, you're hopeless. You're helpless. You're in trouble. This is how you cry out. And that's my text. If the Lord will help me for a few minutes, cry out. Let me tell you how to cry out. This is what the Bible says, the way we're supposed to cry out. And this is the only way that we can reach Him. He's died to them that are of a broken heart. When you just don't know where else to go, what else to do, you elders have been there, you faced it, had you? Oh, had nowhere else to go, but you cried out to the Lord, and He heard your cry broken hearted, didn't know what else to do. And in the midst of that pain, in the midst of that distress, in the midst of that, I believe the Lord's going to help me for a minute, in the midst of that trouble, He spoke peace and took that heart that was broken in a million pieces, put it in His hands, picked it up, and put it right back together. And you got up from that place where you were broken whole again and could praise Him one more time for coming by your way because He heard your cry. Thank you, Lord. Cry out. Are you like me? This is how I am, Marvin. I'm stubborn. I want to solve it myself. I want to fix things. I'm a fixer. It's in my nature. 
And then I get to the point to where I make a bigger mess than I had to start with. And then it's really broken. And when I get to that point and I can't do anything else about it, I ought to be smarter than that, shouldn't I? I should know better, but that's in my nature. When I get as low as I can go, I've gone as far, I'm Johnny, I'm glad. I've not gotten too low that he couldn't reach down. Aren't you glad? Oh, I don't know. I've got to preach right here, so this is what I'm going to preach right here. I've never gotten too low. I, I felt like I just fell plumb through the bottom a few times. Felt like I couldn't go any lower. Felt like I was so broken I'd never be fixed. But then when I cried out, Jesus would come by and put the pieces back together again and I could rejoice in Him. All right. Cry out. Blind Bartimaeus cried out, didn't he? And we got a lot of religious folks like the priests, like the Levites, and some that were in the crowd with Jesus that day. They just said, you hold your peace. You be quiet. Probably even said he don't have time for somebody like you. But what did the Scripture say Jesus did? He stood still and said, Come. He said, Come. Religion has ruined us. Religion has is the very reason most sinners don't want anything to do with the church. Did you know that? Now, Lord's help me for a few minutes. You pray on so I can finish this. Remember the Pharisee that Jesus went to have a meal with? And there was a woman there that got down on her knees in front of his bare feet. And I'm going to preach it the way the Bible says. She cried, washed his feet with her tears, and dried them with her hair. To me, that would indicate... That was a woman that was very, very humble. A woman that was willing to fall down at his feet and pour her heart out to him. And there said a Pharisee, I don't know why I haven't preached this. Boys, you pray for me. There said a Pharisee in indignation because he'd allowed this woman to touch his feet. I'm going to preach to you today. She did more than touch his feet. She touched his heart and he forgave her. Oh, aren't you glad we serve a king that makes time for the least of us? All right. That don't just mean me because I'm at Dutch Bottoms on a Wednesday night. That don't just mean Dee Dee because she's sitting here in the congregation. That means you too. All you got to do is cry out to him and he'll hear your cry. All right. What do you need? What do you need, son? Bartimaeus said that I may receive my sight. Don't you know he already knew? He already knew. Now let me give you this scripture. Did he not say, 
that he would supply our every need. He'd supply our every need. I've had a lot of wants. He said no on. <laughs> Have you? I've had a lot of wants and a lot of things I thought at the time I really, really needed that, but it turned out it's just something I wanted, not something I needed. And he knew if he gave me that, just like he knew when he gave Israel a king, that it was to their harm. See, the Lord, we, we picture God, and this world pictures the Lord, as somebody just says yes, 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 yes. He will tell you no. He will turn you down. But when He does, it's to get glory out of your life down the road. When He does, it's to get honor out of your life down the road. Let's go back for a little ways, will you? I remember a man that was stricken and he was in his parents' house and he was above 40 years old, if I'm not mistaken. And the Pharisees asked Jesus, said, who did sin, this man or his parents, that this affliction would come upon him? And Jesus had this response. He said, neither, but that the glory of God might be revealed what you're going through. You may think it's the deepest valley you've ever gone through, but just know <laughs> when you get out of the valley, glory is waiting. Cry out. You'll disturb him. He's got a lot of important people around him. He don't have time for you. But Barnabas was desperate, wouldn't he, boys? He cried out the more. If you've not heard from him yet, keep crying, keep crying, keep crying. Pray, pray, pray. I read we're even one of the greatest prophets in the Bible had to pray seven times before the Lord answered him. Who are we that we think we can get through it one, two, or three times? If Elijah had to pray seven times for it to rain, pray the, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We skip the fervency we skip the righteousness and we come before him out of shape filthy and expect him to answer us you've got to meet those qualifications and come with a broken heart all right cry out what Jesus do when Bartimaeus cry out he made time for him he said, what is it that, you, that I can do for you? He said, that I may receive my sight. He said, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And he immediately received his sight right then. When Jesus does something, it's not gradual. It's immediate. <coughs> There's a song that the Morrison sister sings says when Jesus speaks peace the raging storm must die 
new hope becomes new life. When Jesus speaks peace. Ronnie, when he spoke peace to me as a little eight-year-old boy, I was hell bound. I had guilt. I had a, had a burden of sin upon me. And I knew if I died in that instant, I was going to hell. Then something happened. Jesus spoke peace to me. I was desperate. I was blinded by sin. And I said, Jesus, please save me over and over and over. And about the fourth or fifth time, something happened down here on the inside. That fear left. That guilt left. And I became a new creature in Christ Jesus. I was redeemed. All right. I cried out. Let's go on. You want to? I'll, I'll close here in just a few minutes. We read about the woman from Canaan. She had a daughter that was grievously vexed. She was troubled. She didn't know what to do. She wasn't a Jew. And she cried so much that even Jesus' own disciples went to Him and said, send her away. She just crying all the time. And if you want to put it in modern day terms, every time we have church, she's there on the altar. She just, every service comes up, takes up time, just send her away. And the Lord said, I have not come but to the house of Israel. He said, it's not me to take the children's meat and cast it to the dogs. But she was desperate, wasn't she? She cried out. She said, even the dogs, even the crumbs that fall from the master's table. He said, great is that. I'm glad I didn't have to be born over in physical Israel. I'm glad I didn't have to be born of Jewish heritage. But He loved me anyway. And even though I was considered a dog, which poor, poor, poor. We had one old car that had to fix most of the time to keep it running. We never did go out to eat. We never did have anything new or anything of that nature. But we had a lot of love. And we had a lot of Jesus. Amen. And when I cried out, he took time to hear me. Let's go one more place and I'll close. Oh, he said, great is thy faith. And from that time forward, her daughter was made whole. Now, here it is, Palm Sunday. He sent his disciples after the colt. They took their clothes and laid it on the colt and set Jesus upon it and marched it down through Jerusalem, and they took their coats off and their palm leaves, laid them down, and here came the king of kings, and they shouted, Hosanna, and they praised him until the Pharisees said, cause your disciples to to hush. Don't let them cry out like that. And this is what Jesus had to say. He said if they would hold their peace, the rocks would...
would cry out. I'm here to tell you today, he stands, oh Lord, you have an advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is waiting to hear your cry. What's he doing right now? He didn't go and sit down and said, I've done all I'm going to do. He, he went back to heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father and He's listening for your cry and He's making intercession for you right now. We bottle things up. We hold things in. I was talking to Dawn and Jerrica. Jericho had a stressful afternoon. I had a stressful morning. But I can still praise the Lord. He's, I can still say he's been good to me. Did everything go great today? Well, I know it didn't. But Jesus still loves me. That's all I need. And I don't know, John. Tomorrow may be worse than today was. But if it is, there'll be a better day one day after a while. I'll lay this trouble down. And I'll go that way. Does he make uh, Does he make everything perfect when you get saved preaching? Why no we don't? Let me just relay this to you. Apostle Paul was one of the greatest men we ever read about in the New Testament, wasn't he? He established more churches than anybody we can read about and probably converted more people than anybody we can ever read about throughout history. This is what he had to say about his life after salvation. He said, I had a thorn in the flesh and I prayed thrice that the Lord would remove it. And you know what his answer was concerning that thorn? No. Let me just, I don't know why i got to preach this faith, but it's come to me. Satan knows exactly what to tempt you with. If it's alcohol, it's still going to be sitting right there on your face once you get saved. Did you know that? If it's gambling, it's still going to be sitting there to tempt you after you get saved. He knows what to send your way. How did Paul deal with the thorn in the flesh the same way you and I do with the temptations that Satan sets in front of us? He said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength, and pay particular attention to this verse of Scripture, my strength, now listen, if it wasn't for the grace, I might be an alcoholic. If it wasn't for grace, I might be a drunkard. I might be an adulterer. I might be whatever you want to name. But for the grace of God, that's me. And that's you. We're all, every man, how about, is this Johnny, is this scripture? For every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bring forth death. This was not written to, to sinners. It said, do not err, my beloved brethren. You're not going to live perfect. You're going to make mistakes. But when you do, 
ease off somewhere, repent, ask the Lord to forgive you. If you need to ask the church to forgive you, come to church and do that. Preacher what? Yeah. Because if that sin keeps me from praying for the sinners at Dutch Bottoms, I owe the church acknowledgments. If that sin keeps me from getting hold of the power of God, whenever I get up to sing or to play or to preach, I owe the church acknowledgement. Now, preacher, you shouldn't say stuff like that. If pride is keeping you from being honest and humble, you need to lay that down. All right. I wish you'd hush when I'm going to. Cry out. Why are you trying to carry something you can't carry anymore? Why are you trying to carry a burden that's so heavy you know you're going to crumble under the weight of it? It may not be sin. You know what, you know what Paul said? Let us lay aside every weight. You can't tell me there are things and burdens in this life that you have that don't bring you down. You may have lived a godly life, tried your best to pray and read your Bible, tried every service there was to attend church, but the circumstances you're in weighed you down. I saw it personally in my family last year whenever we were caring for my dad. Mom was under such a struggle, such a burden. She lost about 25 pounds. You could tell she never got a moment's rest. She was just frayed at the edges. Friend, we all have weight from time to time that we have to bear. We have to learn to lay that aside. And only the Lord can help you do that sometimes. Don't struggle under a burden you know is going to crush you. Cry out to the Lord. He's loved you enough already to give the best that heaven had for you. He saw you, a lost little boy or girl. He saw you, a lost man or woman, and he sent his only... I've got three boys. I couldn't do it. He only had one. And he sent his only begotten son for you personally. If you had been the only sinner, he would have still have sent his son so that you personally could receive salvation. Don't let Satan tell you nobody loves you. God does or he wouldn't send the best that heaven had. So if you know you've got somebody that loves you, why bear your burden alone? Why wait until it crushes you? Cry out. He helped blind Bartimaeus. He helped the woman from Cana. He told the folks that were praising him on Palm Sunday to keep on praising. When the way gets rough, I believe the Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And that goes farther than that. This scripture is talking to you personally as well. Praise ye the Lord. Praise Him. Praise Him in the hard times. Praise Him in the good times. Praise Him for what He's done. Pray about this, Dutch Bottoms. Can I get a big hey man on this one? Praise Him for what He's going to do. Sarah, praise Him for what He's going to do because He's going to do great things with you. 
Why ain't he praising for what he's going to do? Because he's going to do great things with you. Praise him for what he's going to do because he's going to do great things with you all. Praise him. Elvis and girls, praise him for what he's going to do because he's going to do great things with you. I'm about done. My son and daughter-in-law are in. Been in for about a week and a half. I was talking to Joanne about them before church. They're expecting a baby, August the 1st. They're in North Dakota. But they may not always be in North Dakota. There may be a day when they walk through the door at Dutch Bottoms with a little grandchild strange in tow and Canaan may be the one that leads that child to Jesus. Cana may not ever win the lottery. Cana may not ever be a millionaire. She may not ever drive a Cadillac or SUV. But if she wins one soul to Jesus, she'll have done the greatest thing a child of God could ever do. Yeah. I hope God blesses you greatly, Cana. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed if your troubles have brought you to your knees. Don't be ashamed if there's something you just can't handle. The cross, the burden of sin even got heavy for our Savior, didn't it? It drove Him to His knees, didn't it? That's my sin, John, and your sin. He drove him to his knees. If he had trouble bearing a burden, who are we that we shouldn't? If it gets so heavy that you can't handle it anymore, cry out to him. He'll hear your cry. For the Lord's hand is not shortened. That it cannot save. And this is a good part too, John. Neither is his ear heavy. That it cannot hear. Cry out to him.